Welcome to the Learning Scientist Podcast, a podcast for teachers, students, and parents about evidence-based practice and learning. Hello and welcome to the Learning Scientist Podcast. My name is Dr. Carolina Kupertetso, and I'm a senior lecturer in psychology at the University of Glasgow. I'm very excited about today's guest. With me today, I have Emma Noble. Emma is a final year psychology student at the University of Glasgow, and she recently has completed and submitted her dissertation. So first of all, congrats for finishing this piece of work, Emma. Thank you. In her dissertation, she explores the lived experience of higher education students with a formal dyslexia diagnosis what the so-called dyslexia label means to them, and what it would mean to lose that label. We will learn today more about all these concepts in this episode. So welcome, Emma. And can you introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your background and the motivation for this topic? Hi, yes. Thank you so much for having me. Um, So I would say start off with a final year of my psychology degree and was advised maybe to pick a topic of relevance and I funnily enough had never actually looked into dyslexia before or the field or any of that research despite having dyslexia myself being diagnosed at seven and well having 14 years uh, roughly of a formal diagnosis. Um, so yeah, decided on the field and was surprised to find that it's really uh, congested with a lot of debate around dyslexia. Um, and yeah, I was really shocked, particularly with, you know, my degree being taught to, well, in light of the replication crisis, I should say, being taught to produce and conduct valid and transparent research Mm -hmm. as well as really holding ethics to a high degree and acknowledging our participants as the human beings that they are um so yeah I was really surprised at how conflicted the the field was and especially the fact that despite the dyslexic individual's voice being central to this debate little consideration had actually been given to their voice um so yeah that's what I set out to do was to kind of fill this gap of looking at how the dyslexic individual experiences their label uh, and with a particular focus, I should say, on how it would feel to lose it. Yeah, so you have already mentioned uh, now dyslexia, um, the research field of dyslexia and the dyslexia label. So probably everyone has heard of dyslexia before and may have formed an idea on what it is and what it means to experience dyslexia. However, I would be interested in a research-informed definition and conceptualization of dyslexia. So my question is, from your research in your dissertation, what is dyslexia? Well, like I've previously touched on about the debate, I guess how we define it is the very problem. Um, But looking across the field, a general definition would be a neurologically-based learning difference that impedes upon an individual's accuracy and fluency of reading, spelling and writing, Mm -hmm. despite adequate cognitive ability and sufficient reading instruction. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, like I said, 
there's real debate on how we define, conceptualise and operationalise the construct. And despite diagnosis being rooted in a medicalised model of disability, the idea that we look for atypical behaviour in reference to a neurotypical standard, referencing the social model of disability, it becomes evident at how it's not necessarily a deficiency that deviates an individual from normality, but mm-hmm. rather it's a neuro- neurological reality uh, where the impairment is produced by the society and the social environment excluding the individual, mm-hmm. which also, again, highlights how education is not only vital in supporting dyslexia but perpetuating it Mm -hmm. which is why I think the dyslexia label becomes such an important aspect in the field. So in your research you really focus on that dyslexia label specifically. So before turning to your research and your findings can you give us a brief overview of what exactly is meant by a dyslexia label and what ways it may affect people living with this label? Yes. um, So within a formal diagnosis, there is the identification of dyslexia as a neurological reality, uh, pointing out that there is a learning difference, as well as the formal labelling of the dyslexia construct. So in acknowledging that, again, that refers back to what I was talking about with the social model of disability and how it's really the context that can shape an individual's dyslexic experience. For example, despite two individuals both presenting as dyslexic and having the label, depending on their environment, they could have two completely different experiences. For instance, socioeconomic status is quite a frequent and very good example, where maybe one individual is in a catchment area that has a school that has funding for support, whilst the other is maybe in a catchment area that just doesn't have the funding and Mm -hmm. availability to offer this individual the same support. So not only would their experience of dyslexia be different, but their relationship to the label. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, research has found that often the individual misattributes their dyslexia-related difficulties to their work ethic and intelligence, mm-hmm. where such assumptions are also also evident in society at large. And mm-hmm. these assumptions can have a greater socio-emotional impact mm-hmm. on them than the actual difficulties relating to their dyslexia. Mm-hmm. So researchers increasingly recognise the need to differentiate between dyslexia as a learning difference and dyslexia as the label to have a better understanding of the emotional and social elements of the dyslexic experience. That's really interesting. So to really acknowledge that difference and that it exists. Um, so let's turn to your exciting research now. Um, how does your research project then fit into the overall research field? Or put differently, What were the aims of your research? Yeah, in terms of trying to understand how the dyslexic individual understands their dyslexia label. So specifically, my qualitative inquiry set out to address the question, how do university students experience their dyslexia label? And in particular, how would it feel to lose the label? And it was really about capturing the dyslexic experience 
from the perspective of the dyslexic individual and accounting yeah for maybe so regardless of the dyslexia debate and how the field is struggling to define dyslexia Mm -hmm. really just looking at the dyslexia label from the dyslexic individual's perspective. So really capturing that lived experience um, yeah. of um, students with uh, a diagnosis of dyslexia. Yeah. yeah. I think I just need to give a bit of context to our listeners uh, because you already mentioned um, your approach there, your research approach is qualitative. So most research that we present on our learning scientists blog or in podcast are based on so-called quantitative research methods where researchers, for example, run experiments, pitching different conditions against each other and then measure performance in the end. So using experiments and the quantitative research approach Um, That is what makes the majority of the research in cognitive psychology. However, there is another approach to conducting research, which is usually summarized under the qualitative research methods umbrella. The go-to data collection methods when conducting qualitative research are, for example, interviews or focus groups. The kind of data you get from this qualitative approach is textual data, And it is quite rich in information and requires working through transcripts and identifying recurring themes in those transcripts. So in your research, in your dissertation, Emma, you used a qualitative approach to explore your research question. Can you tell us a bit more about the methods that you used? Yes. So going beyond simply quantifying the label as positive or negative uh, and really capturing the nuance of living with the label. Like I said, a qualitative uh, methodology really ensured that I captured the experience within the dyslexic individual's own words. And like you said, in the form of text, uh, data physically being the words that participants used. And specifically, I used a phenomenological paradigm, which Mm -hmm. allows Uh, research to describe, interpret and understand a phenomenon from the perspective of those who experience it. Mm -hmm. And crucially, uh, my positionality, being dyslexic myself, aided the co-construction of such data. But this phenomenology also ensured that I could manage my influence because, Mm -hmm. again, I was constantly returning to the participants and their experiences. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, I used a thematic analysis method where it looks for patterns within the data. And I went through each transcript trying to find different codes and really capture specific themes as well as the data set as a whole. Um, And it's the idea of trying to pull out the underlying descriptions and interpretations. Um, So not only was that really fascinating for me as a researcher, but it, like you said, produced a lot of in-depth subjective information Mm -hmm. that really aided in, again, capturing the nuance of living with the label. That's great. So can you give us a bit of um, a bit more detail on the data collection uh, aspect? So how was data collected in your research? Yeah. Uh, so convenience sampling was utilized 
uh, where six university students were recruited, all having a formal dyslexia diagnosis. And semi-structured interviews were then adopted, which centred the participants' voice and lived experience of the label, mm-hmm. um, where, like I said, the thematic analysis was used to go through the transcripts that were verbatim mm-hmm. to really get to the bottom of how the dyslexia label impacted these specific students' identity and learning, and thus capturing the label as a shared human experience. So what themes did you identify uh, when you looked through the interview transcripts? The um, thematic analysis captured the overarching theme conflict, which was found to underpin and interrelate to six themes and nine sub-themes. Specifically, the analysis uncovered a conflict relating to the label that manifested internally within the dyslexic individual and externally between the individual and their everyday environment, both at a personal and systemic level. It was found that whilst the participants acknowledged that gaining the label brought self-understanding and support, they did not express a dyslexic identity and rather dissociated from their dyslexia. Instead, they utilised the label to conceptualise their dyslexia as simply a learning difference. Mm -hmm. Um, And discussing the external conflict of facing conceptualisations of dyslexia as a deficit, the inherent conflict within higher education was apparent though the participants also denoted to the reconceptualization of their student identity and highlighted the loss of the label as a significant conflict in itself. Okay, so there seems to be kind of, just I tried to rephrase it in my own words to see if I captured or understood um, the findings. So so it's the case that they, they see merit using the dyslexia label, uh, but at the same time, they don't think that that's their identity. So that their identity really is completely separate from that dyslexia label. Is is that basically what it is? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it seems that, for example, one of the things I found was everything and nothing. So it was found that whilst the label is everything, conceptualizing dyslexia and being integral to their identities, it simultaneously dissociated them from their dyslexia rendering it to nothing. So specifically, the participants described how before the label, their dyslexia-related difficulties were all-encompassing. So internalising assumptions of laziness and feeling stupid in their entirety. Mm -hmm. So evidently highlighting the significance of the label as they were then able to see themselves in better light. Though interestingly, it seems that whether or not the students were aware of how ingrained the label inevitably is within their identity, they conflictingly did not discuss a dyslexic identity and they rather referred to their dyslexia as something out with them. So Mm -hmm. a lot of the times they made reference to it, dyslexia, in comparison to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that was really interesting. That's really interesting. Is it something that is at odds with um, maybe some of the research, some of the previous research? Yeah, well, so research had highlighted how despite the, the label permitting the dyslexic individual to escape claims of intellectual inferiority mm-hmm. they had to negotiate the label within and across varying discourses so this 
led to recent research exploring specifically identity. And whilst one study, for instance, by researchers called Pitt and Sonny in 2017, highlighted that the label contributes to a successful dyslexic student through allowing for a positive dyslexic identity. Mm -hmm. However, Loveland and Armour in 2018 contradicted this, showing that when exploring the label as a component of identity, mm-hmm. dyslexic students did not express a dyslexic identity nor the notion of a shared one. Mm-hmm. So I feel like my study in understanding the experience of the label and specifically its potential loss, it's maybe kind of highlighted this dissociation of whilst they rely on the label due to conceptualizations of dyslexia as a deficit and stigma that surrounds Mm -hmm. dyslexia and the label that they dissociate as if it is something that is just kind of parallel to them Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. that was really fascinating Mm -hmm. yeah it it definitely is um so that that's really absolutely fascinating in because it also is at odds with what my own conceptualization of dyslexia um, was. So, yeah, it's kind of mind mind blowing. Mm-hmm. Um, how would your findings now inform practice in education? So, at the learning scientists, we always want to look at practical recommendations and yeah. what it means then, really, in the classroom or in an educational setting. So. What um, could be put in place and what do we need to be aware of um, yeah. that we can learn from, from your research? I think really at the heart of what I found is that individual attempts to embrace neurodiversity and embrace their dyslexia is really, it's made futile with stigma in society at large and conceptualizations again, of dyslexia as a deficit is really hinders the individual to positively incorporate the label into their Mm -hmm. identity. So Mm -hmm. importantly, I think the nurturing of a dyslexic Mm -hmm. in-group is vital in ensuring that the dyslexic individual's well-being is Mm -hmm. met and that they feel, you know, that dyslexia, they can acknowledge that dyslexia is a fundamental aspect in their identity. And in line with education, I think through understanding the dyslexic individual's perspective and them highlighting the label as having them highlighting the label as uh, significant and having great value, it really contradicts the ethos of the current debate. Mm-hmm. And I feel that reappropriation and ownership could, in fact, provide the inclusivity that's needed, where with education systems largely operating with a medical model of disability. Mm -hmm. For instance, this is particularly relevant to higher education, Mm -hmm. how the ethos is put on the individual to disclose and where they need a up-to-date diagnosis Mm -hmm. to gain the support that they're, you know, deserving of. I think it's been shown, for instance, research by Bernard Barak and colleagues in 2014, I believe, have really highlighted the value of acknowledging the students as the experts Mm -hmm. through a mentor program. They took graduate students 
and uh, collaborated with secondary schools mm-hmm. and they showed that not only was that mentoring important for aiding the transition but it also significantly increased attitudes towards disclosure and support mm-hmm. which I think is vital um, mm-hmm. for the dyslexic individual's identity as well as their learning. So um, I think you already mentioned this before uh, so maybe just very very briefly was there anything particular that you came across during your research that surprised you and that you would like to point out? I guess the theme, everything and nothing, again, that dissociation was was really fascinating, particularly because in dissociating from what they have acknowledged is a fundamental aspect of the person that they have become. For instance, they stated that with the loss of the label, they would most definitely not be who or where they are today, where mm-hmm. they would not have continued with their education. I think acknowledging that dissociation is not only confusing but (laughs) it's really interesting and I initially thought that maybe social identity theory could explain this and the fact that they maybe distance and dissociate from their label to again distance themselves from their undesirable social category Mm -hmm. however interestingly in using the label to conceptualize their dyslexia as simply a learning difference, something that is separate to them. Mm-hmm. I stumbled upon a theory called Biability by Valares, and they basically recognised that individuals with hidden disabilities exist between categories of or binary categories. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're constantly in conflict with identities and always having to decide when to disclose or when to hide their mm-hmm. disability. Um, on top of that, nascent emotion research has highlighted that affect labelling is an uh, implicit form of emotion regulation where putting feelings into words really separates that from the self. So mm-hmm. I was maybe trying to theorise that as Inherently, the dyslexic individual does not belong to either category, disabled or neurotypical mm-hmm. with their hidden disability. They may be, through the label and naming their difference, can really abstract themselves from the notion of stupidity that mm-hmm. is constantly imposed upon them with dyslexia being acknowledged as a deficit. And in that abstraction, they understand themselves to be someone who is normal Mm-hmm. but simply has a learning difference. Mm-hmm. So crucially, this in itself is a concealment that actually perpetuates their stigma. So mm-hmm. camouflaging, which is generally researched in relation to autism, mm-hmm. describes the behaviours used to mask aspects of oneself mm-hmm. for passing as normal. Mm-hmm. And it seems that whilst this dissociation resolves their inner conflict of stupidity and viability mm-hmm. it really it almost they accept their devaluation mm-hmm. so again it perpetuates the idea that dyslexia is a deficit mm-hmm. so I think like I said before about the nurturing of the in-group is so important because as well as in line with the neurodiversity movement it could really help to show that diversity is the normal mm-hmm. um, and again 
allow these individuals to acknowledge that their label is uh, normal, I yeah, guess, yeah. and it's perfectly fine. Um, so, yeah, and really allowing them to realise their potential, I think, mm-hmm. is important. That's nice. So for the final question, I always like to ask my guests for practical recommendations. So if you had one tip for teachers and one tip for students on how to navigate learning differences due to dyslexia, what what would your tips be? I think for teacher advice, it would be really centered, student-centered learning. where, again, like how I referenced that piece of research before, really acknowledging the students as experts. And I think that goes in the sense of they're the experts in their learning and what works for them, as well as acknowledging the accommodations that works for them from changing PowerPoint backgrounds to like font sizes. But also I think student-centred in the sense of just acknowledging the dyslexic individual as an individual Mm -hmm. um, who needs that reassurance that they are capable. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, acknowledging, I guess, I suppose, acknowledging their learning and their identity Mm -hmm. is vital. And then for the student advice, hmm, I would say, I would say acknowledging almost in line with the teacher advice, just acknowledging that you have a voice and mm-hmm. acknowledging that you're not alone. I think that's a really important one um, mm-hmm. and clearly shows even within the research the fact that we have to nurture this in-group. So I would say as hard as it is, even try and reach out. I know Dyslexia Scotland actually has some really wonderful events that right now are online and they're all free and they range from student networks to adult networks uh, in the workplace. Recently I saw that there's one uh, adult networks dyslexia and mental health which (laughs) mental health is important anyway but it was fascinating to see it for a dyslexic community and even dyslexia in the classroom and a master class for parents with dyslexia. So yeah Acknowledging that there is a much wider community out there who go through the exact same thing. And um, yeah, again, that it's normal. Uh, That's a good note to um, conclude our podcast, actually. Um, I'd like to thank you, Emma, for joining our podcast episode today and for sharing your experience and tips. Lots of food for thought and lots of resources and tips. Thank you so much for that. Thank you so much for having me. I wish you good luck on your upcoming exams and on wrapping up your studies. Thank you. To all our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, Stay safe and until next time, goodbye. This episode is funded by listeners like you. To support our work and gain access to exclusive content, visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash learning scientists.